Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have got a certified emotional intelligence specialist. Now, if anybody needs intelligence, it's me. And, and especially emotional intelligence. And we have got a guy that's going to give that to us today. He's going to tell us what emotional intelligence is and how it affects us and how we can have greater emotional intelligence. You're going to go, you're going to want to connect with this guy. You can find him on LinkedIn at Adam Rosenzweig. That is R-O-S-E-N-S-W-E-I-G. If I could spell, we'd be all right too, but you can find him right here, right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Adam, how are you today? I'm doing great. You nailed it. I love that. that pronunciation man that was great <laughs> it's the blind squirrel theory in full effect my friend a, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while as we say up here in west virginia so i, I want to start here and, and and usually start here with with guests on the intentional encourager podcast everybody has had and we're coming as we record this we're coming out seemingly of the pandemic where you are in the state of florida you guys have 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 accelerated that process a little bit more than most states like mine here in West Virginia. I think, you know, we're last in everything else. We might as well be last to lift the mask mandate. So, but you guys have have come through it. Adam, would you take me through the last 15 months or so with with you and your family? Because everybody's had a different experience around COVID-19. What's the last 15 months or so been like for you and your family personally and professionally? Oh, it's been an adventure. Um, you know, I, I actually probably need to take it back a little bit further because back in late 2019, right before the pandemic, uh, I, my family and I had the unfortunate experience of my wife having a heart attack. Um, it was late October. It was about October. Well, and we're, we're pretty young, so it was a very much surprise. And fortunately, my wife survived. And, you know, we, we were in the process of trying to recover from that scare. And, you know, from October, then we get into early 2020. And then our son gets sick. And mind you, COVID's not in the news right now. It's not. A thing. Our son gets sick for about two weeks and he's got about 105 degree fever. And it was one of the scariest things that had happened to our family. Right before that, he had had a strep throat, so he had been sick and that really kicked down your immune system. Then he got sick again. And he that was probably the most congested I've ever seen him. He was eight years old at the time. And, you know, we were like, they were getting hit again and again with these illnesses. And then, fortunately, he recovered. But we thought it was just the flu. We thought it was just a really bad something. Because, you know, we were giving him nose spray and it did nothing. It was, it, was, yeah. it was awful. And then, come about, I think it was about March, we started hearing whispers of this 
COVID thing. And my wife had been sick as well, not nearly as bad as my son, Lucas. Uh, she had had other, you know, there were so many symptoms that come with COVID. Adam, let me jump in here, if you don't mind. You mentioned your wife's heart attack. And, and, and you know, I, I'm trying to put myself in that moment with you huh? and, and take the listeners into that moment. Your wife has a heart attack in October, I think you said, of, mm -hmm. of 19. Then you guys get to February, March, when, when we all started hearing the whispers of COVID and, and, and the things like that. And then your wife gets sick. Are you in the back of your mind going, ah, crap, how do we prepare for this? Or are you, what, what was your concern level? And maybe what was her concern level? Because you've already been through one major traumatic event that you've come through. And now she gets sick. Was there any trepidation? Was there any fear? Because heart patients, heart attack patients have to really watch everything post heart attack. Take me through that time with your wife where you guys were trying to manage yet another situation that had crept up on you. Well, and that's why I brought that up was about the heart attack, because that was a very dip, uh, strong turn for us. Because, you know, this is mystery virus and you don't know, it's very unpredictable. And they talk about anybody with pre-existing conditions is going to be vulnerable to it. It's like, oh my goodness, my wife has already had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. We have to be incredibly careful about her getting exposed. And for all we know, I mean, we didn't know. We had no way of knowing whether or not she was actually already had it. Mm -hmm. My son was, because that was the suspicion, was like, oh my goodness, did we already go through this and didn't know it? You know, because our son was so sick, my wife was sick, my in-laws were sick, we lived next door, and, um, but we didn't know. And then she had these, this heart condition that we're still trying to figure out. This took months. We had a stint put in. And we're still trying to figure out why she had the heart attack in the first place, so young. She had all these hospital bills coming in. Fortunately, we had really good insurance. Um, and so we're still figuring out the heart attack stuff. Then this COVID happens. And it, it, it's kind of, as far as how we handled it, it's like you really don't have a choice. You know, our reaction was, okay, well, you know, you're in a position where you have to face it. You know, you, it's not like you can avoid it. So, you know, our, our approach was, okay, they talk about sheltering in place. They talk about wearing masks. We're going to do everything we possibly can to avoid this thing. Mm -hmm. And so as much as we reasonably could, we stayed home and didn't go out. You know, we, you know and because that was the concern. You know, we would not necessarily... In a way, it, it, let me rephrase this. In a way, it helped us uh, pay more attention to, to the virus and give it more serious thought because, you know, she did have issues. And so we stayed home as much as we could. We, we were more attentive to being clean, hand sanitizer, washing our hands, um, and not being as careless. You know, we have, a, and up to now, we have avoided restaurants or at least sitting inside. Yeah. Restaurants. You know, as time has gone on, and, and there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress that came with it, and we've had to learn to cope with that. Um, and so that means, you know, for us being religious, it's relying on our faith and and, and 
support from those in our congregation and, and friends and family. Yeah. Uh, that helped a lot. Well, that Adam, really lot. I, I got to go here for just a second. How, <laughs> how does your training in emotional intelligence really come into bear and come into play? Because again, I, I want to think about, and, and, and Adam, this is what I try to do on the Intentional Encourager podcast. When, when I ask a question, I try to put myself into the moment of that other person that they're describing. So here's what I'm thinking. What things would I have been, what would have been going through my mind mm -hmm. during this time? How would I have reacted if my wife were, were dealing with this situation? What would I have done? How would I have handled things? What would, what would my state of mind have been? And I got to tell you, you are just, you're recalling this just, I mean, my hat's off to you because I don't know how I would have handled the things that you had to handle with, with your son and your wife and things like that. So how did you keep everything together? Well, one, you, you have to, you, you talked about how my own training has helped. There's a big difference between what we can control and what we cannot control. If we focus too much on what we cannot control, we feel helpless. And the stress and the anxiety goes up and you, and it just, it's a snowball. It, it gets worse and worse. So rather than focusing on what we cannot control, it was what can we control? And what we can control is how often we go out, all the precautions that we take. Um, like I said, in the prayer had a lot to do with it. And sometimes you just need a good cry. You know, sometimes you just need to let the emotions out and, and just focus on that. And as time goes on, you, you cope better. You know, you, 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 at least we did. I know not everybody, not everybody can say that. Unfortunately, I know mental and emotional health has been severely yeah. a, a problem during this time. Uh, but, but that's, you know, from my perspective, that's really what it has been. It's, you know, what do I have control of? And when you focus on what you can do, you feel empowered. You feel more in control of the situation. And so we took advantage of what we knew we had. You know, fortunately, grocery stores and Amazon they delivered, you know, you don't have to go in anymore. You can pick up, you know, there are even seemingly small things to make a big difference. So, and depending on where you are, you have different options. Um, but I think mainly that's what it was. It was just when you're feeling overwhelmed, lean on the friends and family and your support system when you can. Uh, we had people who cared about us calling, um, lending support, you know, and that that's, one of the things that you, that was really eye-opening and well, not eye-opening the right word very important lesson it was a very important lesson that i learned was that there is a lot of power in a phone call when somebody calls you somebody who loves you and they say how are you doing there may not there may not be anything they actually can do for you but when you have somebody who cares about you call you talk to you for 10 minutes and say hey we care about you you need anything, let me know. Uh, you know, I care about you. Just simple things like that. It goes a long way to give comfort to somebody because we ne can't necessarily change the situation, but comfort, giving, excuse me, giving comfort to somebody really helps them to endure 
the issues that we're going through. Well, and, um, and, and Adam, I'm so glad you brought that up about the power of a phone call because I, my wife and I had a conversation with our, our 20 year old son a while back and he was talking about connecting with his girlfriend. And I said, did you call her? Did you pick up the phone and call her? And he goes, well, I'll send her a snap. You know, today's generation, and 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 I'm kind of sounding like old man, get off my lawn, you know, kind of kind of uh-huh. guy. But I told him, I said, son, there's a powerful thing in just reaching out and talking to someone. And I don't, you know, Adam, I love what you said there because I don't think we do that enough in life because we're like, oh, let's shoot somebody a text. Oh, let's, you know, let's send them a tweet. Oh, let's everything using our phones for everything, but talking to somebody. Right. And mm-hmm. just, just picking up the phone and talking to them. I want to follow up before we go to break. I want to ask about your wife's emotional intelligence through this, mm-hmm. because again, she's dealing with a heart attack. Again, I don't care what age you are when your body fails you in that way. And, and, and you, you're, you're like, oh man, you know, Pete, as, as we record this, we're dealing with this in my wife's family. Um, she's lost an aunt to a massive heart attack. So we're, we're keenly aware of what's oh, going wow. on. Yeah. We're keenly aware of what's going on there. And, and again, I lost my dad very suddenly too, to, to, to a, to an issue. And I write about it in my book. You're keenly, when you survive that, you're keenly aware of everything. And I know heart attack survivors and things like that. What was your wife's emotional intelligence like, not only during the event and maybe her time in the hospital, but after the event? You know, I'm really proud of her. I have to say, because, you know, even while she was in the hospital, because, you know, it's a scary thing to be in in the hospital. You know, she really handled it really well as far as, you know, because she's had health issues since we've been married. So struggling with not feeling well. And, and it's one of those things where you don't know exactly what's wrong with you, but you have, just don't feel well. And you have ups and downs and it's really frustrating. And then you get to the point where you have a drastic event, like, like we just had. And, and, and what that did for her is it really helped her be more determined to solve her problem. Because it's like, you know, I'm sick and tired of this. I got to do something more. So I've actually seen her pay more attention to her health and to have, you know, because when you, you know, she had an eight-year-old son. When you have a scare like that and where your son might be motherless and you might have leave, leave, uh, leave their life suddenly, it, it, it motivated her more so, number one, to be more appreciative of life which we all have to do that. Now, unfortunately, sometimes it takes our life event like that to really pay more attention. But, uh, you know, I give her a lot of credit for really paying closer attention to, to her health, being more open to um, doing, just trying new things and, and trying to solve the problem. So for her, emotional intelligence, fortunately, she handled it pretty well with stress and anxiety. She, she was traumatized for a while with having scares and, and having nightmares and things like that of it happening again. So, um, but she'd done something about it. 
yeah. which I give him a lot of credit for. Um, and he's been stable for the most part this, up to this point. I mean, that's... He's a hard doctor. He's a hard doctor regularly, and they're keeping an eye on her. And So she did something. She, she was proactive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's great. And and it's great news that, that she's on the upswing and her health is getting better. So that's, man, that's tremendous news. Let's step aside and take a break. When we come back, I want to dive into the definition and the real meat of emotional intelligence. I think I have an idea what it means, but Adam's really going to to bring those those things home for us. And 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 we're gonna go to a place when we come back. We're going to talk about emotional intelligence and tie it to encouragement. And I think there's a really neat tie there as well. And Adam's talked a little bit about the encouraging words of a phone call and things like that. If you want to learn more about emotional intelligence, come on back. My guest, Adam Rosenzweig, is going to help us out with that. Come back here on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Adam, let's get into the heart of what you do and that's emotional intelligence. And again, you and I, I was kind of kidding with you off air. If anybody needs intelligence, it's right here. I need as much intelligence as I can get. First of all, what is the definition of emotional intelligence? And what's the one pe- one thing people don't realize about emotional intelligence? Well, there is no universal definition for emotional intelligence um there are if you google it you'll find varying definitions the way i like to describe it is you know emotional intelligence is a person's ability to understand the emotions they're feeling as they're feeling them the self-talk and the thinking the thoughts that trigger our emotions and how that affects our behavior so you have a thought, triggers an emotion, that emotion leads to a particular kind of behavior that then affects somebody else. You know, for, when you and I are interacting together, I'm having feelings and emotions that's triggering the words that I'm using and my, my body language and everything, and we're kind of going back and forth. We are influencing each other on an emotional level. And in, in a personal and business setting, that is foundational to our performance. So if we're at work 
the more self-aware we are, the more better performing we will be because sometimes we feel things and don't realize we feel. So in other words, maybe I'm feeling stressed out and anxious, but I'm not paying attention to what I'm feeling, but it still comes out non-verbally. You know, we'll, somebody will see the stress on our face. You know, it's like somebody will look at it. And people used to do this to me. Why are you so angry? Why are you so mad about me? And then I look at them, I go, what are you talking about? You know, I'm, I'm you know, because you get this, you know, look on your face. So much of um, communication takes place non-verbally, even when we're not talking. We're still communicating, we're, we're broadcasting our emotional state to other people. And so on a professional level, certain EQ skills lend themselves to our job. If we're a leader, you know, certain EQ skills lend themselves to being a good leader. If, if we're in marketing, if we're in sales, you know, the, the better we are at using and leveraging our emotions, the better, more, the, the more successful we'll be. And I'm not talking about manipulation. This is not about manipulating people. This is about, I, I, I use the illustration of dancing with somebody. You know, when, when we dance with another person, there's a rhythm, there's a flow, there's some, it, 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 it's, art, it's an art form. You know, we're not stepping on each other's toes, but something beautiful is happening. And when we're using our emotional intelligence in the workplace and at home, there's a flow that happens between two people or 10 people or more if we're a leader. And, and, and it, it, because for example, and I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, if I'm a leader and I have a hot temper, mm-hmm. I, could be, I could be the best at my job, but nobody wants to be around me. So it really hinders my ability to do my job because people don't want to be in my presence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adam, let me let me jump in here. That is why I have said if if you are a leader and, and you are you are actively involved in leading people, if you encourage your team every day, intentionally encourage them, you are going to light these people on fire. Because to your point, with emotional intelligence, a lot of times, and I love what you said about the nonverbal. Because if, if, if you, if you're a leader and you're not, you might not say anything, but if you walk around like, like this all the time, and and for those of you listening, I kind of made a mad, like I'm in a fight phase. If that's the way you project, how encouraged are your people going to be to come up and actually share issues with you or actually talk with you about situations that are going on professionally, forget personally. If you've got that that demeanor about you, you've got people that are not they're they're not even going to want to get around you because of the nonverbal that's coming out. And I love what you said about the steps, and and it does it ties hand in hand with intentional encouragement because the steps that people take are okay. I, I I'm feeling a certain way, and then it it goes to to what the conversations that are happening inside their brains and then the conversations that come out from it. And and this is what I tell people. If, if you, you have to decide to intentionally encourage yourself to reverse that self-talk that you just talked about and say, Hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. 
It's going to be good. How does encouragement really help someone align their emotional intelligence on a daily basis? When you have your mind, I mean, one of the skills of emotional intelligence, okay, the, the model that I use is called the EQI 2.0. It's an acronym for the Emotional Quotient Inventory. That's what it stands for. It's a model of emotional intelligence created by a company called Multi-Healthy. They're the people I got certified to. One of the emotional competencies has to do with stress management. And so you talked about being an encourager. One of the elements is being optimistic. When we're optimistic, that means we are, we're taking a realistic view of the situation. And we're looking at the future in an optimistic way. Not, not through rose-colored glasses. There's a big difference with what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I love what you said there. Yeah, yeah because most people will, will, will look at that and they'll say, well, you just have a Pollyanna type attitude. You just think everything is sunshine and candy and, and things like that. And, and, and Adam, I love, and I had to dive in there because again, you, you hit that so beautifully, you know, it's not that you, that you see the world through rose colored glasses. You know that there are things going on around you, just as you were aware when your wife was having her health issues. You know what's going on around you. You just choose to reprogram the thinking in a different direction. That's right. So when we have an optimistic viewpoint, what that means is we can, have, we can be in the midst of a negative situation. We were talking about COVID. Now, we can focus our mind on the negative, or we can focus our mind on looking for solutions, looking for opportunities that are out there. So if we, and again, this is about what we believe. If I believe that there are solutions, if I believe that there is a, that tomorrow I can make my life better somehow, that there are actions I can take today that make me prog progress towards something better, then what, what's happening is we're opening our mind up to seeing the opportunities. Because if we're, if we're paying too much attention on the negative, we can have an opportunity go right in front of our eyes. But if our eyes are shut, we won't see it. So the, to, have, to have an optimistic attitude is to be on the lookout for that kind of thing. So when we have an encourager personality, when we talk about positive things, when we say, you know what, I'm going to be grateful today because of whatever, this, this, and this, we shift our focus on the, on the positive. And you go, Yes, the, all this over here is not good, but what is what is good? You know, we, we, we keep our mind on the positive. And, and that opens our mind to looking for opportunities. And it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because when we have that optimistic attitude, we start finding opportunities and, and reasons to encourage each other. And suddenly our life is better because we've been that's what we've been focusing on. And that's just one element to emotional intelligence and to your point that you said before it is trainable and and that's part of what i do is when when i when people take this assessment and, and they get their personal it's a measurement tool it shows their ability to use all these different skills and then i and then we can go for either a, a company company-wide or on an individual level or on a manager level here's your your readout Here's where a blind spot is. Maybe you don't realize that you don't have an optimistic point. And 
the thing to remember is emotions are contagious. So if we're a leader and we're, we're going through the office with a smile on our face and an encouraging attitude, that lifts the spirits of everybody in the room. And it creates that air that everybody breathes, that it contributes to the culture. And if, ever, if the opposite is true and we have a stressed out and, and we're, we're anxious and we're tense, it's going to spread out to everybody. And like you said, if people see that, they're not going to feel comfortable bringing problems to us as a leader. It's just not going to happen. We're already telling them, don't talk to me. And we may not, it, the, the, all that animosity may not even be toward that person in the office. It could be something else. It could be something happening at home. It could be a problem at work. But mm -hmm. that person might have a solution to our problem, but we just told them not to talk to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. studies have shown with doctors that empathy, you know, having an appreciation and, and care for another person's perspective in a physician actually helps people get better physically. Because one of the things that it allows patients to do is it allows patients to feel comfortable speaking to their doctor about certain symptoms they may have without fear of being smacked down and told, I'm the doctor, you listen, you know, because it, it, sometimes doctors will say, I'm the doctor, you need to listen to me, I don't care about what you say. But a doctor with empathy listens. Yeah. And, and it gives them more information about the patient to work with. And so along those lines in business, our people who follow us will be more comfortable coming to us if, without fear of reprisal. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I love that. And I love what you said there. Emotions are contagious because they really are. You know, when, when and I've seen this and, and I will step aside, and take a break, but I've seen this happen in my own home when I come in and I may be having a bad day or I'm, I'm stressed or things like that. Then my wife starts to pick it up. Then my son starts to pick it up. But if I come in and I'm feeling good, even if there are high tensions in the house, I can come in and diffuse it. And so you're right. Emotion. I love that. Emotions are contagious. If, if you get nothing from our conversation, get that. Emotions are contagious. And so is intentional encouragement. And we've got a great guy on the Intentional Encourager podcast, Adam Rosenzweig's Rosen's swag. So again, if I can pronounce a name, I, I'd be good, but let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, Adam's going to tell his amazing story of how he transitioned from, from doing what he was doing to doing what he is doing. And there's a really cool story behind that. I want you to hear it. You're going to get encouraged today with my guest, Adam Rosen's swag here on the intentional encourager podcast back in a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. 
And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me, and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email, and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, People Buy From People. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Adam, let's get into your story. And I want you to go back as far as you want to go back from point A to where we are today. And just talk about your life and your story uh, for a few minutes. Yeah, sure. So how, how did I get into, into emotional intelligence? Well, back in 2013 or a little bit before, I, uh, you know, I, as often happens with people, life catches up with you. And certain things that I was dealing with personally were coming to a head. And so I was having something of a life crisis in, back in, 2013, and I was having, I'll just leave it there. I was having a lot of trouble. And so I needed a solution and I didn't know what to do about it. Because I, I, it was one of those things where you feel like your life is about to collapse in order if you don't do something. And because, I, because I'm religious, I prayed about it and I was looking for an answer. Not long after that, I came across someone who is now a very dear friend of mine named Jay English. He lives, I live in Ocala, Florida right now. It's about dead center of the state. Dr. English lives in Ocala. So it's about a two-hour drive from where I live. My wife has a family member who lives there, and that's how I heard about her. And she does what's called motivational enhancement. She has a PhD in neurolinguistic psychology, a master's in counseling, so she's got the pedigree to be able to help with the situation that I was in. So my wife and I went and we saw her and we went through her program and long, long story short, we went through her program and things from that moment, things started to improve in my life. I started, because before this, I had a very negative view of coaching, a negative view of, of things like that. I was very judgmental about it until I find, until I did it. <laughs> then I realized the value of, of how it can be helpful. Adam, I want to yeah. I want to dive in here. For, forgive me for diving in here, but I got to ask a, a question. Sure. How quick into being around Doctor English did you realize? How quick was your aha moment? Because for some people, when they go through, you, you said you and your wife attended a seminar. For some people, it happens pretty quickly within the first five minutes or so. You, you realize, oh boy, this is, this is different. This is, this is unique. This is what I was looking for. Some people, it's the middle. Some people don't really get it to the end. And maybe some people don't get it till after the fact, till they've had a chance to soak it in and things like that. Do you remember the moment during that, that program that it just hits you? Like this was what I was looking for all along. It was almost immediate. Um, number one, Dr. English is incredibly good at what she does. She's been in the business for over 30 years. That's number one. Number two, and even before I was speaking with her, I, 
you know, my, it was just my wife and I, so it was very personal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't a group thing. It was a one-on-one. So I walked, we, she worked out of her house and we walked in and it's like, I, I, I took one look at her and I felt hope. I felt like, okay, I've got an outlet here because I felt hopeless before. And the more I spoke with Dr. English, the more I felt, okay, this is somebody who I can trust. This is somebody who has this uh, means to help me out. And I was able to, it, it, I was able to actually speak what I was feeling, speak what I was thinking. I had never been able to do that before. Did you think there was no hope for your situation? Were you kind of feeling yeah. like, like I'm going to do this and if it doesn't work, I really don't know what else I'm going to do. It was certainly a very hopeless situation for me. That, that's how I had viewed it. Um, I didn't really think about what I would do if this didn't work. I was pretty much, I'm going to try this out and I hope it works. Uh, what would happen after that, I didn't really give a whole lot of consideration to. And like I said, the moment I started talking to her, I felt that hope. So I never really got into that mindset of what happens if this doesn't. But, um, so we went through it, it, it was a, a three day program, about 15 hours that we went through. And I learned a lot. There's a lot of science behind what I learned about the human mind and things about me. And that really got me started uh, on my development because I, I wasn't just the only time my wife and I went back a few more times, but then I kind of took, took it further and went on my own and I started going through this program, which is so incredible, so incredible. And the more I learned, the, the, the better I got. And I overcame some things that I never thought I could. So I saw the progress that I made as a human being. I became a better father. I became a better husband. I became a better person. Uh, I was happier, more fulfilled, emotionally stronger. Because I, I come from, it is some, it, it's, fascinating because I come from a construction background. I worked with my father doing finished carpentry and I always assumed I'd be doing that the rest of my life but and I always had a fear of doing anything else because I didn't know what else I could do. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to university. I didn't I didn't have any other training but now I went through this training with Dr. English and suddenly I have all this confidence I never had before and so I had all these uh, other benefits that I was not looking that didn't, I shouldn't say I wasn't looking for them, but I didn't realize they were happening. And as time went on and I kept getting stronger, I, I got more courageous about, you know, what if I didn't do my life? What else could I do? And I started, it really broadened my mind. How did your, I got to ask, because I worked with my dad before he passed away. And, and it's interesting that you talked about working with your dad. How was your dad? Did your dad know that the hopelessness that you were you were feeling? Did you did you have that kind of relationship where you could share that? And then once your wife and you and your wife went through Doctor English's program and and you got you, you started thinking differently and feeling differently, what was your dad's reaction after the the transformation began happening in your life? Well, he, nobody really knew that I was having these sorts of issues. I mean, my, you know, my wife and I knew, I mean, we're married, so she was familiar with uh, the things that were happening. Uh, 
but he did tell me after I went through the program and I started improving, he saw I was a very different person. And he did, he, he saw the change. In fact, a lot of people saw the change in a positive way. He was saying, he was saying that in a positive way, like, look, you're different. And it, it, it's, it's good. Um, I don't know how that answers your question, but yeah, he did. He did notice that there was a difference. Well, and, and again, you know, when, when you decide to do, listen, I was always intentional about doing things opposite from my dad. You know, my dad was in a certain, was in one industry. I was in another, even when I moved industries, I moved away from what he was doing because I always wanted to try to be my own man. I wanted to be just be me and be, you know, my unique gifts and talents and things like that. And then that's what I've told my 20 year old. It's like, look, you, you're not me, be you, be, be your own man. I, I just wanted to ask you that because you mentioned how close you and your dad were working together and you spend a lot of time with somebody. I don't care who it is. You, you learn a lot about them. You, you, you know, I, I spent in the first three months, my dad and I worked together. We were together 16 hours a day. You have a lot of conversations about a lot of different things. And I'm grateful for that. Cause like I said, I, my dad passed away, you know, 10 months later, very suddenly. And, and I'd give anything for those to step back in time and ride around in the van that we worked with together for, for three months. I'd love to go back and have those conversations. You, you get close to somebody. That's why I wanted to ask you about that. Is there, you know, what was the one thing about, I, I got to ask this. What's the one thing about carpentry? In, I, I, because I, I I don't have that skill. I'm not inclined like that. And and I'm not envious, but I have a great respect for people that are because they can see something that's unfinished and make it what it's supposed to be. And, th and, and I, I'm very, very envious of that skill. What is something that you learned from your time doing carpentry that ties into what you do now with coaching people around emotional intelligence? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so let me repeat the question. What have I learned with carpentry that helps me uh, with emotional intelligence? Well, I, when you work in carpentry, you work a lot with imperfection. You work a lot with other people who affect your work negatively. Like it's, they, they make it more difficult for you to do your job if they don't do their job well. And so... You know, it's like, uh, for example, I'm talking about the other trade. You know, if, if, if the drywaller or the electrician or the tile person, if they don't do their job properly, you have, you have to contend with their mistakes. And that's very frustrating, or it can be. But what that taught me was, if I want to get my work done, I have to accept that other people are not going to do their job as well as I would like to. I have to accept that because if I don't, I'm going to sit in my anger and nothing changes. Or I just accept it, try to change it. I mean, you can talk to the right people and say, quit doing this. But it's helped me to stop being angry. And I had to contend with that for a long time, uh, was just being willing to put up with the, with the, make, with the, what word am I looking for? Put up with other people's in order to accomplish my work. You know, that, that's something that you don't, nobody really talks about a lot. Like, it's not just about what I do. 
It's about how I work around others. Yeah. So in an emotional intelligence perspective, that's something we have to do. We have life hands us things that we don't want to deal with. But we have to be able to work around it. We have to be able to shove it out of the way. Otherwise, we won't be successful, personally or professionally. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, it's not fun. Getting angry about it is not productive. But okay, I have this obstacle in the way. I didn't know it was coming. Oh, you know, COVID. COVID happened. I wasn't expecting it, but I got to deal with it. It's not fun. I, I don't like it. But I have to work with it. You know, and being able to accept reality for what it is goes a long way toward, toward being productive. Um, but to uh, finish my story real quick, if you don't, if, if I can, yeah. um, was once I went through, the, went through this program with, with Jay and I started realiz realizing I could do more, I ended up calling her one day because I said, you know what, I, I love what you do. I love everything about what you do, and I want to be able to share with other people. I would really like to work with you. What can I do? Because she's a teacher and she doesn't like any of the marketing aspects of things, she said, well, if you want to start a business and market me and do training seminars, and we can work for corporations who want to do professional development for their people and enhance their people, go for it. I'll work with you. Which was awesome because I now I have a brand new infant company that has 30 years of experience or more. Right? It was, it was uh, having somebody who has a depth of experience and, and, and talent that was now on my team. And she later on coached me into getting uh, certified in this emotional intelligence assessment, the EQI 2.0. It was a really great way to complement the training that she did and because it's, a, it's like a measuring tool. And it's a really tangible way for somebody to see the before and after progress that they make once they go through the training. And so uh, as time has gone on, I have gotten a lot more experience in, in training based on it. So her and I together are a really potent team that we, we've for at least five years now, I've been running this business, or working with people and enhancing personal and professional lives. And I continue to learn too. Adam, I love that. Let me, let, let... Let's finish our conversation here as we do every episode. And and I've taken a ton of notes and you're going to see them in the show notes, but you've just dropped a lot of great information. Adam, share with me in this audience, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. One of the biggest obstacles that people run into, and I've run into this too, is a lack of confidence and a lack of, a lack of, uh, of confidence, not only in ourselves as a human being, but as in our value that we bring you know, in, a, in a business context. So whether it's personal or professional, we fight feelings of I'm not good enough, I'm not valuable enough, what I do isn't worthwhile. So I, when I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking about that question. You know, and I was thinking, and it, uh, I, kind of, I had kind of a light bulb moment. Like, you know what, I can answer, I can give an economic argument toward why that all of that is false right there's only it's like supply and demand the more the more rare some, something is the more valuable it becomes, right that's why certain paintings by famous artists are worth millions that's why a diamond is worth what it's worth because it's it's a rare you know gold you know it's all rare things there's only one you on this earth 
There's only one me on this earth, and whoever's listening, there's only one. There never has been in history, there never will be in history, somebody who is like you. So our, your, your unique life experiences, your unique uh, uh, training, and, you know, the training is more than just going to university, it's experiencing life. And the more we explore life, the, the more education we get. So our unique uniqueness as a human being is far more valuable and all the money in the world put together. So from a business context, what we offer as a human is, is incredibly valuable. Who you are as a person is priceless. So if we can keep that in mind, that really, and that is a truth. I really do believe that is a truth. So when we put that on paper, put that in front of us, when we're feeling discouraged or when we're feeling not valuable or when we're feeling whatever, any kind of negativity, read that read that and we'll you know it's a nice reminder of, of how valuable you are as a human being and what you offer on a business in a business setting i love that how valuable you are as a human being i'm writing this down because it because it, it it's so true there is only one you there's only one me and and you me everyone that's listening has tremendous value you just have to realize it every day. Adam, before we go, tell folks how they can connect with you, find out more about emotional intelligence, find out more about what you do to help other people find their emotional intelligence. The absolute best way is to find me on LinkedIn. You you showed, you shared my, my name and, and link before. So definitely look me up on LinkedIn, Adam Rosenzweig. Um, I'll be there. I... You know, send me a connection invitation. I'll, I, you know, give me a little message that just before you heard me, and I'll connect with you, and we can have a chat, and we can have a nice introductory conversation. Or if you want to do more than just have an intro, we can talk about that too. Absolutely, and and I've got. I would be remiss, Adam, if I didn't give a shout out to our our mutual good friend Bob Sager, who who connected us, and and Bob's a genuinely great guy. And uh, Bob, hats off to you. Uh, you made this conversation happen. Adam Rosen's swag, R-O-S-E-N-S-W-E-I-G. Adam Rosenswig's Rosenswig. You can find him on LinkedIn and connect with him there. And Adam, man, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. And yes, Bob is awesome. Connect with him too. Yeah, connect with Bob Sager and tell him we tell him Adam and I sent you to connect with him. Thanks for joining us today on the Intentional Encourager Podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.